it is our custom to read from the Bible and allow it to speak to our hearts. So I want to encourage you to pray. And I'm going to read from John chapter 9 and then read a few verses from there and then pray and then ask that God will speak to our hearts today. So thank you so much for being here and uh, appreciate you taking time to be here at our 12 p.m. service. So let's read John chapter 9 starting from verse 1 and then I want to pray at the end. As Jesus passed by, Jesus saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man? Or his parents that he was born blind. Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. And he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, anointed my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Verse 15. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I saw. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But now, how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He's of age, ask him. For the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man, they're talking about Jesus, is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that I was blind, but now I see. Verse 26, they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I've I've told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why? This is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshipper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Pray with me for a moment. Father, we want to thank you so much for this morning, and we want to thank you for the power of your word. 
We pray today you will speak with power, with purpose and clarity. Thank you for what you're about to do in us, for us and through us. Thank you that you have exalted your name and your word above all things. Thank you that this moment will mark our lives forever. Thank you that there will be no distraction of the body, of the mind, of the surrounding. That you will speak, Lord, with power, with purpose, and with clarity. I thank you in advance for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I have uh, two children. We have two children. I have a nine-year-old and a four-year-old. Uh, our nine-year-old right now in the middle is in the middle of like, a, like a, an origami season. He's discovered how to make paper origami and that's what he's obsessed with. He used to be in a Lego season, and uh, it was just Lego building from morning till night. It was just one design after the other. He was so proud of the designs that he had made that we decided to put up a couple of shelves in his room so he could proudly display his creations, and now he needs some space for for his origami craft to be displayed. Yesterday he told me, Dad, I made that lotus flower and I didn't even have to look at instructions. He was very proud of his creation. Because you see, when you are proud of a creation, you want people to see. And the other, last night he had some friends come over for a play date. And uh, not only did he make some craft, but he was teaching his friends how to do it. And now they were proud that they could do it too. Because you see, any human being that is, is any human being is created in the image of God, not just Christians, but any human being is born, is born, that is born, is created in the image of God. And because God is a creative God, we also have the ability to create. And there is something about human nature that if you were to create something, if you were to put your hand to something, if you were to, if you were to, to achieve something, there is something in us that wants for it to be displayed. Some of us are more private than others, but within us is an intrinsic desire for an appreciation, whether it's our own appreciation, to say, man, that was good. I heard somebody say this one day, <coughs> that way before God made Adam and Eve, and before there was the human race upon the planet Earth, that God made creation. He said, let there be. He saw his own creation, and then he said, oh, that was good. At the end of day one and day two and day three, he looked at his creation and said, that was good. Why? Because when something good is being created, we would love for it to be displayed. What is the point of a good invention if it is hidden? What's the point of a good meal if it's not shared? What's the point of a good song if it's not sung? What's the point of a good painting if it's not admired? What's the point of a good home if it's not lived in? What's the point of a good game of football or cricket if it's not enjoyed by the way England just won the first test match in Hyderabad did you see the scores cheeky did you look at it when you were at church so did I <clears throat> we just need to we just need to know that England won we just needed to know that uh, but what's the point of what's the point of all the things that we create if it's not enjoyed if it's not visible if it's not for display and uh, because there is something about God, there is something about the human nature that wants us to enjoy creation, enjoy victory, enjoy something that's beautiful. I don't think anybody has ever said, oh, I have made the most amazing meal today. I would love to just chuck it in the bin. No, it's supposed to be put on display so that you are enjoying it or other people are enjoying it. Because you see, the display of something magnificent points to the fact that there was an amazing creator behind it. There was creativity behind it. There was effort behind it. And it was meant for people to be enjoyed. And Jesus and his followers are walking by the road one day. And his, his followers have a question. They see a blind beggar sitting by the roadside. Back in the day, if you were blind, there were no social kind of social health systems or social welfare systems that looked after you. If you were blind, you had no kind of special school or special system that looked after you. The moment you were blind, your family knew what you were going to do for the rest of your life. They would put you by the roadside with a begging bowl in front of you and hope that you would beg and make a living. And uh, so this blind beggar is by the road and Jesus' disciples look at Jesus and say, who sinned? 
for this man to be born blind. He was born blind. So he didn't become blind as he grew up. He was born blind. Did he sin or did his parents sin? And Jesus' answer is this. It was not his sin and it was not his parents' sin that caused him to be born blind. He was born blind so that God might display his works. God might display his works. You see, God is interested in displaying his works. And I wonder what is the display that God would choose should he do something spectacular. I was just reading on the news today that some protesters broke into the Louvre in, in France and, and threw some tomato soup onto the Mona Lisa today. Apparently, it was also covered with bulletproofing casing. So it hit the case, but it didn't hit the painting. Because whenever we look at amazing creations, we, we know that it has a display, it has a location. And for the first time, Jesus is telling his audience that whenever God wants to put something on display, God is also interested in picking a certain location for the display. Now I wonder what God would choose as a location for his creation. Because you see, when he does something, it's more spectacular than the most spectacular painting that's ever existed. It's more delicious than the tastiest meal that's ever been created. It's more magnificent than any sight or sound you could ever enjoy or see or experience. Because God is the master creator. If there are human beings all over the world who are willing to play, pay millions and millions and millions of pounds and dollars to appreciate a work of art, to appreciate a meal, to appreciate a game, to appreciate a scenery. Can you imagine if God says, I'm about to do something and this is the location of my display. Can you imagine how special that display should be? And we would like to think that if the God of the universe who has more might than the mightiest person, who has more wisdom than the wisest individual, who has more creativity than the most creative person, who ever lived, who has more collective splendor than all of the splendor of the universe. You would like to think that when such a person chooses a location to display his wonder, you would like to think that he would choose something magnificent, a place that is better than any other place. But he looks at a blind beggar and says, that is the location that I am going to choose to display my works. Do you not know that your God is not looking for a special place, a private place, a spotless place, a holy place, a place that people would think this is a good location perhaps like we have in the Tower of London to store the crown jewels. Why? Because it's a specific location to store something that's of value and that's of worth and that's of brilliance but God looks at our lives and says this is a location for my works to be displayed. I want to know, I want you to know if you've walked in here and you're not feeling much you're not feeling much faith or much validation or much worth or much value and you're just a blind beggar sitting on the side of the road your life is a location for the display of the wonder and the power and the glory and the goodness and the creativity of God God chooses that location as a place for his wonder says who sinned who sinned was it him or his parents that he was born blind he said no he was born blind so that I might have a chance to display my works. Can you imagine what your confidence would be like if you knew that's how God thought about you? What can you imagine what it would do to the confidence of your prayer if you knew that's how God saw you? Would you imagine what it would do to your self-esteem if you knew that's the way God viewed you? Can you imagine what it would do to the way you talk, the way you walk, the way you dreamt if you knew that when God looks at you, he doesn't look at you just as a blind beggar. He looks at you as an opportunity to display his glory and his grace and his splendor. Everybody that has ever felt inadequate, rejected, less than ordinary, kicked out, not worthy. You ought to give Jesus a praise right now because God is about to display His glory and His splendor in you and through you. Because God doesn't look like the way people look. He doesn't see things the way people see because people were seeing a blind beggar and they wanted to have a reason. Whose fault was it? Whose fault was it? And human nature always likes to point out fault because we want to know whose fault was it. 
Was it his fault? Was it his mom's fault? Was it his dad's fault? Why is he blind? Tell me the reason why. Jesus is not looking at any of the reasons. Jesus is looking at, I wonder what God is about to do in his life. Let me ask you a question. How do you view life? Do you view life through the lens of, why am I the way I am? Whose fault is it? Or do you view it through the lens of, I wonder what God's about to do in my life. I wonder what God's about to do in my children. Some of you parents here who are raising kids, I'm not an expert in raising kids at all, but I do know this. We can view life through two lenses. One, through the lens of whose fault is it? Because we as parents sometimes can slip and fall down and make mistakes. But Jesus is looking through another lens and the lens is this. I wonder if you could grasp that you are a potential for the display of my power and my glory. I feel there are people in this room who have disqualified themselves and you have even disqualified others because you are viewing life through the lens of reason, viewing life through the lens of right and wrong, viewing life through the lens of who did what and who didn't do what. But God doesn't view you and I through the lens of who did what and who didn't do what. Oh my goodness, if God God viewed us through the lens of who sinned and who didn't sin. We have exhausted our chance, all of our chances a million years ago. But we are still here with hope in our hearts because God doesn't view us through the lens of what went wrong and who did wrong. But he is viewing us through the lens of the fact that he can still display his glory and his wonder because we are the location of his glory and wonder. This man was born blind, Jesus says, because he is going to be the place where I display the works of God. Not work, singular, works of God. That means God is continuing to do a work in you. Some of you who are here, who are followers of Jesus Christ, and you did not become a believer in Jesus yesterday or last year, but you have been working with God a long time, and you have had a walk with God for five years and 10 years and 20 years. Some of you were 30 years, 40 years. Is there anybody who can say, you know what? I can testify to that. God is still working in me. Anybody that can look and say, God is still working in me. God is still working. It was not just one work. He has kept on working. He has kept on working. He has kept on. Sometimes I gave up. Sometimes I slipped up. Sometimes I made a mistake. Sometimes I stopped. Sometimes I paused. Sometimes I turned my back. Sometimes I was confused. But I want you to know God didn't just have a work. He was not like a COVID jab that said, look, first jab, second jab, triple jab. Now that's it. I'm done. No, 20 years from now, if you are still on this planet, God will still be working on you. He is a good God. And you are the place where God wants to display his glory and his goodness. This man was born blind so that I might display my works in him. So what does that location look like? Where does it, where is it that God works? Number one, God works in places and spaces where there's been a long wait. God works in places and people and spaces where there's been a long wait. Jesus And his disciples are walking by and the Bible does not say they saw a child who was born blind. They say they saw a man who was born blind. How old was he? Well, he was not 10. He was not 15. He was a grown man. And I wonder what took so long for God to do that miracle in him. By the end of this story, this man that was born blind can now see. You see, sometimes... When we wait for a long time, we can sometimes come to the conclusion that this is proof that maybe God is not going to work in this space or this area or this person. But I want you to know that you and I sometimes disqualify places and spaces and people because of the length of time for which we haven't seen anything. But that doesn't mean that God has forgotten it. God has passed it. Or that's no longer on God's agenda. Because sometimes the places of display, the the, the spaces of display, the, the, the people of display that he picks are people that have been waiting for a long time. Because when you wait for a long time, you can come to the conclusion 
that used to be a priority once upon a time. Maybe his parents had hope. Maybe his mom had hopes. Maybe his dad had hopes. Maybe he had hopes that God would somehow do something someday. But now this boy is no longer a boy. He is now a grown man. And Jesus looks at him and says, This man was born blind so that I might display the works of God. If God had picked him to display God's work, why wait all those years before that display comes into fruition? And that is the one question I have saw answers for all my life. And I don't think I'll ever have an answer to tell you how the timing of God works. But I do know this. Even though it's been waiting and you've been waiting and we've been waiting for a long time. Do not count out. Do not negate what God is about to do. Just because there's not been activity for one year or two years or 10 years or 20 years. It doesn't mean that God has somehow forgotten about it. God can still work in a place where there's been no activity for a long time. And that's why we should never look at the state of a nation that's good or bad and say, oh, it's been a long time since there's been a revival in this country. It's been a long time since my children have shown any interest in God. It's been a long time since I had any desire for prayer. You could go through a long time where there's been absolutely nothing, but you never know. Today could be the day where God can look at that display and say, this display is the location for God to do something. God always works in places where there's been a long wait. Where there's been a long wait. And sometimes that can be discouraging. Because you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And the years turn and the the days turn into months. And the months turn into years. And there's absolutely nothing. And Jesus says, this man was picked to display the very works of God. Anybody else waiting on the promise of God for a long time? Anybody else with a hope in your heart that's not just a few days old or a few weeks old? Anybody else here thinking, man, I remember praying this back in 2012 and here I am still praying about the same thing. If that is you, you got to praise Him right now. As if God hasn't forgotten you, as in God hasn't overlooked you, as if God is still interested because God works even if it's taken a long time. He still works. He still works. Number two, the power of displayed, the power of God is displayed where there's no explanation and where there's silence. You see, if they knew, if the community knew that this man was born blind because God had a plan and God's glory was about to be displayed, they wouldn't have asked the question. They would have told Jesus, oh, by the way, this guy was born blind and there was a prophecy over his life. And the prophecy said that this man was born blind because uh, God was going to display his glory and his goodness. His, if you read the whole story, he had no idea. The blind man had no idea. His mom had no idea. His parents had no idea. They all conclude, they, they all just arrived at the conclusion. They all just arrived at the conclusion that this man was born blind and they had nothing to do with it. And I love it when God speaks and I love it when the voice of God is clear and I love it when God acts like a sat nav and there's just crystal clarity direction. You know, there's roadworks ahead, there's a speed camera ahead. That's one's really helpful, you know, when there's, there's a speed camera, there's traffic ahead or this one, there's a, there's, a, there's a easier route, take left now, it'll save you 10 minutes. And so there's times when God does that, but there's times when God is just silent. Like there's just nothing. Well, why was this man born blind? Nobody knows. Like no one knows, the whole, the whole community, his mom doesn't know, his dad doesn't know, his, the disciples don't know. So they're now speculating, like, what, like was, did he sin, did his parents sin? Like, I mean, what sort of a stupid question, why was he born blind, did he sin? So what, what was he doing, like stealing Oreos while he was in his mom's tummy? Like what was he doing? Did he sin that he was born blind? Can you imagine how stupid that question is? Because sometimes when we've got no answers, we come up with the stupidest things. Stupidest conclusions in our head. Maybe God doesn't love me anymore. Maybe the reason I'm waiting is because back when I was in year two, I, like, I knew I was meant to apologize to my friend and I didn't apologize. And so maybe that this is God's way of reminding me that I need to go back and track that person. And that we come up with the weirdest conclusions in our head as to why God hasn't moved. But God doesn't owe you an explanation all the time. He doesn't owe me an explanation all the time. He is God. If He could always owe you an explanation of how everything is and why everything is, then He would stop to be God. And that's why you got to be careful when you're talking to experts because experts have an answer for everything. Let me tell you why the world is the way it is. Let me tell you why the economy is the way it is. Let me tell you why I am the way I am. Let me tell you why the state of the church. You see, I'll tell you this. We don't know. We don't know everything. We don't know what we don't know. We don't know. 
We always don't have a clear explanation for everything. But even though there was absolute silence over the future of this man, his past, his present, his future, can you imagine the guilt his parents felt if they knew that this was the murmur in the society? What do you think his dad did for him to be born blind? I think I think I think I have a feeling. Do you, do, you, do you have a feeling? Like I have a feeling. What do you think his mom did? Like, do you have a feeling? I have a feeling. You know what I heard? You know what she said? I heard this the other day. I think it might be that. You know, I saw his uncle do that. So maybe it runs in the family tree. And maybe they're also doing that. Can you imagine the parents living with the pressure if they knew? Because surely for them to ask that question is already making rounds in the society. Who sinned? Was it his mom's sin? Was it his dad's sin? Did he sin? Like, why was he born blind? Absolutely no explanation. But Jesus says, he's the person I'm going to pick to display my glory. Anybody else in this room who's waiting on an explanation from God, but it's absolute silence. There are certain questions you've asked God, and there's been just no answers. Why did I go through what I went through? Why did, I, why did they do that to me? Why was I born that way? Why did my mom raise that way? Why did I have that kind of a childhood? Why did they leave me? Why did they reject me? Why did I make those stupid mistakes? I have no explanation for certain this, and I've asked God, God, why? Where were you? Why didn't you stop? Why didn't you prevent that? I have no answers, but I do know this. If you have been... A, victim and of, of rejection and if you've been a victim of gossip and speculation about why your life has turned out the way it has maybe it's not been up there out there maybe the speculation is in your own mind and there's been no answers and you've just sat in silence and you've asked god a million questions i want you to know do not rule yourself as a candidate for the display of the power and the might of god god picks such people to show off his power and glory and if you've walked in here flat on faith because you haven't heard god uh, give you an explanation for why your life is the way it is. I want you to know, get ready, get ready, get ready. Something is about to happen in your life. God can pick your life to display His glory and His splendor. He picks a place where there's no explanation. Number three, He picks spaces and places, like I said, where there's controversy and misunderstanding. There's all sorts of misunderstanding about Was he sinning? Was he not sinning? How did it happen? Did he really happen? He gets healed and and the Pharisees, which are the religious leaders of the day, say, ah, maybe he was not really born blind. Was he blind? He said, yeah, I was blind. Like, are you sure you were blind? He's like, I'm sure. I know my body. Like, I was blind. He's like, no, no, I don't think you were blind. Like, call your mom and dad. We need to verify whether you were blind. They call his mom and dad. We just want you to know, was your boy born blind? Yeah, we know he was blind. How did he get, how did he see then? I don't know. Like, this man came and spat on the ground and put some mud and then put some saliva on my eyes and told me this particular swimming pool, go to this pool called Siloam. I need you to wash your eyes there. I went and washed and I could see it. They said, there's no way we can believe that story. That did not happen. I, I, can, I can imagine why people would conclude that that didn't happen. Because well, why would you believe such a story? Why would, why was there is no credibility to that story? If there was some sort of story like, you know, I was sitting there and an angel appeared to me and he peeled my eyes open. He did some cataract surgery. I saw my pupils come out of my eye and I got new pupils. God touched me and I could see. That would be believable. It's like, how, how come you can see now? I don't know, like this guy came. I, I think he's a prophet. I don't know who he is. His name is Jesus. He spat on the ground, made some mud, put it on my eyes, told me to go wash it. When I washed it, I could see. He's like, they're like, no. Call your parents. <laughs> it must have felt like a, like a parent-teacher meeting. You know, like, call your parents. Call your, we, we need to have a chat. Like, was he blind? He's like, yeah, he was blind. No one's like going, wow, look what the Lord has done. It's just controversy. It's just misunderstanding. It's no one's going, wow, look what God has done. We want to give our lives to Jesus too. Rather than it breaking out in revival, it broke out in controversy. I want you to know that not every time you're misunderstood, it's your fault. Not every time there's controversy around your name, it's because you've done something wrong. Because not always will people get you. Not always will people understand you. Can I give you some free advice? The people who love you, don't need an explanation. And the people who don't love you won't believe your explanation anyway. So move on. Come on, high five three people and say, move on. Just move on. Just move on. The people who love you don't need an explanation. 
And the people who don't love you won't believe your explanation. Because you can try explain it. Now I'm see, I am serious. I was blind. I was begging. I was on the road side, and 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 I and I couldn't see it, but I could definitely hear that he spat, and he spat on the ground, and I couldn't see it, but it did feel like mud mixed with saliva, and then. I found my way to the pool and I washed it and I could see. I'm telling you that. And call your parents. Call your parents. We, we're not believing this story. There's all sorts of controversy. I want to prophesy to everybody who's been a victim of a misunderstanding that was not your fault. Drama that was not your fault. Controversy that was not your fault. And you've tried your best to clear your name. And you said, man, I wish people would just get the fact that I am not lying. I wish people would just get the fact this was authentic. I wish people would get the fact that I'm not making this up. I would just, I, and some of, some of us have been so marred in controversy and that we've even lost our voice. We think, what's the point of even explaining to people what I went through and how I went through it? And people won't believe me anyway. And some of us have even just lost our voice going, through it i want you to know you are the very person that god would like to visit you are the very person that god would like to pick on you are the very person that god is going to choose to display his glory and his splendor because that's the location god picks to display his glory and his splendor oh man like somebody said if you want everybody to like you you either become a clown or you sell ice cream because everybody likes you but if you do anything other than those two occasions, those two professions, if you want to do anything in life, somebody somewhere is going to misunderstand you. And sometimes it's God doing an original, authentic work in you. And you can't explain it to people. And it's difficult because you're trying to get people to con- convince, you're trying to convince people, hey, I want you to know, like, I was blind. I was really blind. And, and now I can see it. And they're like, oh, no, man, you're, just wait, you're just making that up. You're just making that up. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit in this room. Some of the people in 2024, you're going to be vindicated and validated for everything you went through that you had no reason, no explanation for. And people doubted you and people misunderstood you. And you went through so much drama that wasn't your fault. But I feel the Holy Spirit whisper that 2024 is the year of your vindication. Something about your name will be vindicated and you will not have to speak because God will speak up on your behalf. God chooses such people. To display his glory and his power. God chooses such people to display his glory and his power. Number four, God chooses to display his glory and his power when we least expect it. When we least expect it. I'm a great believer in expectation. I believe when we come into the presence of God, we should expect it. We should expect for God to do something. When we come to listen to God's word, we should expect that God speaks to us. When we come on a Sunday morning, we should expect that God will touch us. We should expect that today is our day. We should always walk with expectation. But there was absolutely no expectation around this because of a number of reasons. Number one, because of a long wait. Number two, because of silence for such a long time. There's no explanation. And most importantly, because it was a Sabbath. The Pharisees come to him and said, it is impossible absolutely impossible that you got your sight back today because today is a Sabbath and there's no way you could have got a miracle today. Absolutely no. And, he, and, the, and the guy was like, look, I'm telling you, I was blind, now I see. And they're going, no, but today is a Sabbath. Look, I'm telling you, I was blind, now I... And these guys go... Look, you may be a disciple of Jesus, but we are disciples of Moses. So we know what we're talking about. Today is a Sabbath, and there's no way you could have got a miracle today. Like, I was blind. Now I see. I know that much. And if you're saying this man is a sinner, how on earth did God answer his prayer? I was blind, but now I see. Like, no, 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 today is a Sabbath. According to the law of Moses, today nothing is going to happen. I'm a great believer that uh, God works in an atmosphere of expectation. 
but I'm also a great believer that when we don't expect it, when we least expect it, in fact, sometimes even when we rule it out, God still has a way of stepping in, even when we don't think it's going to happen, because he works outside every box that we have ever made for ourselves, or every box that people have made for us. They say, oh, we know what's going to happen with this person. We know exactly. Look at the choices that they're making. Look at how they've been walking recently. And you sometimes, we, I, feel, I feel a grace today, even though I haven't raised grown-up children and our kids are really small, I feel a grace today to speak to parents. If you are a parent and you have been prophesying doom and gloom over your children, or you are sitting in worry and you're still speaking good words, but you're sit, saying it out of worry, children, I'm told, don't just catch our words they catch our faith and our atmosphere too and if you've been scared that they've been put in a box i want you to know god is able to step into every box that you have created and work outside your expectation and work outside everything that you have created because the expert said no it's not possible for you to be healed on the sabbath he said no i don't know i can tell you i was blind but now i see you see you cannot explain away an encounter you cannot explain away an experience you cannot explain away what god has done something to you and some of you have had such real encounters with god and that's why you are still walking with god today because even though there's been voice after voice after voice whispering in your head saying you're disqualified you don't belong here look what you've done look who you did it with look where it went wrong look what other people did to you you're still lifting your hands and worshiping because nobody can take away your encounter nobody can take away the fact that you met god Nobody can take away the fact that you were once blind, but now we see. Come on, give him praise and glory in this house. We are so grateful that God doesn't work in our box. He doesn't work in the boxes we create. When we least expect it, God is able to step in and do something that we thought would never be possible. Never possible. But God stepped in and did it anyway. I love how the end, they're just like... Well, if you still insist that Jesus healed you, then we have made a decision to suspend your membership of the synagogue. Did you read that? They cast him out. They're like, are you sure Jesus did this? First chance, second chance, third chance. Hereby, your membership of the synagogue is suspended. They can't, he, this guy can't go, come back to church. There you go. They asked, answered him. You were born in artisan, and you think you can teach us? And they cast him out. They cast him out. Do you think this man was grieved? Do you think he was going, oh no, I lost my synagogue membership, lost my club card points? What will I do now? I've got to play two pounds for a loaf of bread instead of 120. No, he's just going, I was blind, but I can see. I was blind, but I can see. I was blind, but I can see. I was blind, but that's my only story. I was blind, but I can see. I was blind, but now I can see. Because you see, when you have an encounter with God, And God does something that's outside of the box and steps in and does something that you never thought possible. That encounter will mark you for life. I can look back at certain encounters that I had with God that's marked me for life. And the Bible says these words, that now, because of what Christ has done, neither death, nor life, nor things present, nor things to come, nor angels, nor powers, principalities, no hardships, nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I want to say to you, in the future, tomorrow, next month, next year, somebody comes along, cancels your synagogue membership. Don't cry over it. You just lift your voice and say, I was blind, 
but now I can see that that be your song let that be your story because nobody can ever take that away from you I know in whom I have put my trust and I know that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that day we will last the journey we will last till the very end our children will make it because we know that what God does nobody can take away no matter how powerful or how important those voices are no matter how many places we get rejected from God is still in the business of stepping in to places where we least expect it and that's why I have hope and a future for Beacon Church because I believe in this community the church is not a building the church is the collection of all the people who call this community home I believe your life is a place where the glory of God is about to be displayed I believe your children are places where the glory of God is about to be displayed. I believe your future is a place where the glory of God is about to be displayed. And that's why we have obeyed the promptings of the Holy Spirit. We don't get it completely. It's a bit like we heard a bit of spit. We felt a bit of mud. We're going to the pool now. We're washing it. Ha! So glad we obeyed. It's called the process of figuring it out along the way. If somebody gives you, say, no, no, tell me exactly how. I'm telling you, like I didn't understand when he was spitting. I didn't understand when he was making mud. I definitely did not like it when it was on my eyes. I was relieved when I went to the pool and washed it. But all I can say is I was blind, but now I can see. I just figured it out along the way. And our church community is very much like that. And that's why I'm calling, God is calling, the Holy Spirit is rallying us to be present on the 11th of February for Vision Sunday. Because God has given us some instructions that may feel a bit uncomfortable, may feel like, oh, we need to figure this out. We don't know how this is going to work. But I do believe that if we respond, our lives are going to be a place where we will see the display of the glory of God. Like I said, two weeks, two weeks, we've got two weeks before Vision Sunday. But even from two weeks away, we've had over 5,000 pounds already pledged. And we haven't even started. We, have, we were thinking people would bring these pledge cards on the 11th of February. But we're believing that God will move in people's hearts and say, we don't understand this. We don't completely get it. It's not within our box. And it makes us a bit uncomfortable and we don't really have an explanation for it but we can feel that this is Jesus we can feel that God is up to something and if you are here and this is part of your community I do believe that you have a marriage and a business and an individual life and your career but you also have a walk with God and your walk with God is never divorced from your community your local church and if you want to see the glory of God displayed in your life then you got to take seriously the voice of God that's coming to this house and we believe we have heard God say raise the faith among the people to bring a vision offering so that in the days to come we will see men and women boys and girls who have never heard the gospel they will hear the gospel as a result of this offering we will have new ministries birth as a result of this offering we will have missionaries supported as a result of this offering we will stream our services as a result of this offering we will strengthen our ministries as a result of this offering we will look back and say we are so glad we obeyed because God stepped in we were blind but now we can see and I want to encourage you if you haven't grabbed hold of one of these vision booklets when we gave out on the first Sunday in January please do come and get one within this is a pledge card within this booklet there's 12 pages I believe we've Clearly marked out what we feel God's going to do in 2024. And several of you are in the wrestle right now to say, Lord, what is the miracle that you're going to put through my hands? We're asking people above and beyond your tithes and offerings to believe that God will do something. We heard on, 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 on Wednesday, the miracle of a family who had 300 pounds in their account. And God spoke to them and said, will you pledge 10,000? Will you believe that God will do something out of the box? And they stepped out and believed. And they said, God, we're just going to write this on a piece of paper we don't have the money but we're believing that this is what we are pledging for in the next 12 months and they looked back and they were amazed that they were once blind but they now could see that God is not in your box he can do exceedingly abundantly way more than you can ask or imagine will you allow God to do a miracle in your life will you allow God to do a miracle in our church because we believe there is something of a spiritual lid we will lift and we will break through this offering
Pastor Martin, who was here on Wednesday, has been coaching Reshmi and I for the last two years or so. And they, he said to us, listen, I don't want you to talk about this until you and Reshmi talk about it. And you have a wrestle and you decide to obey what God is going to do in and through you. And we had that wrestle 2022 for us was a great year and I said Martin that's great but uh, that's that's my personal you know that's my personal conviction he said I want you to and, he, and those of you who are here on Wednesday you will know from first chronicles 29 he explained how sometimes leaders need to stand up and just tell people say hey this is what God's telling me to do and and I remember 2022 being the year where we gave more than we've ever given in our entire lives. We wanted it to be the year where we thought, man, we're going to stretch to a place where we've never given like we've given now. And we, we're believing that for the first time, and we've, we've already crossed a, a five-digit sum of what we would give personally in a year towards mission and towards church. But we, we believe that just for Beacon Church, we support other missionaries and other works of God other than Beacon Church. But we believe that we, in, in Beacon Church, just our contribution to Beacon Church in 2023, we, we felt God speak to us. We went away separately, prayed for, about it. When we came back and chatted, we felt that it was almost the exact identical amount that God spoke to us to say, will you trust God to make a five-digit gift to this church? This That by the time the next 12 months are over, we will look back and say, we've crossed a certain barrier. And the reason I'm asking, I'm saying this out publicly, I've never done this because Pastor Martin said, Sujit, I want you to stand up and share it so you people can see that we are serious about breaking a lid we have never broken before because I don't understand why Jesus spat I don't understand why there was mud involved I don't understand why there was a pool involved and I don't understand why God says certain things sometimes but I do know that God has speak, spoken to our church to raise faith to break a barrier to confront the spirit of mammon to confront the spirit of the love of money to confront the fear of the future and I do know that I want to wrestle with this process and follow it to the very end so I can look back and say I don't have an explanation but I am so glad I didn't put God in a box because God lives outside of my box and he has done something I want to challenge you I want to encourage you I want to plead with you don't do it for the sake of doing it because you think everybody is doing it but I want you to go and talk to the Holy Spirit Pastor Martin on Wednesday said something that I love he said we're not asking for the same amount and we're not asking for the same sacrifice but we are asking for the same obedience talk to the Holy Spirit and whatever God tells you to do will you have the courage to step out and do it because if you do it i believe your eyes are about to see something you've never seen before you will experience something you've never experienced before and your life will go through something that you've never gone through before and you will have a testimony that you've never had before because this man said hey since the beginning of the world i don't know of anybody that has made the blind to see but i do know this i was blind and now i see i believe our church is about to receive stories we have never said before and God is going to open doors we have never been opened before and I want you to step out in obeying whatever God is telling you to do and on the 11th of February we're going to bring our pledge cards if you don't have one of these online versions of both the vision booklet and the pledge cards are available on our website I'd love for you to go there and read the vision booklet to see what it's going towards and what your pledge is We've got two sections for you to fill. Your pledge, that means what you believe God's going to do with you over the next 12 months. And number two, your outright donation, which is what you're going to believe God for you to bring on Vision Sunday or the next five days from Vision Sunday. That's what you're going to do right now. For example, if you believe God is going to do a 10,000 pound miracle through your life, but on Vision Sunday, you've only got 100. Bring the 100 on the day. But you're going to believe that 9,900 will somehow come. Don't do it because you're plucking the figure out of thin air. Or as Pastor Martin said on Wednesday, if you don't have a job and you've just become a Christian yesterday and God's telling you to pledge a billion pounds, maybe you need to talk to a leader because it doesn't work that way. But if you know the voice of the Holy Spirit and God is prompting a figure in your head, because if you will talk to Him, He will speak. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice and I know He will speak speak to you because I do believe that this is something God has put on our hearts and I do believe your future depends on it then I want to encourage you to step out and obey and maybe you will look back and go wow I had no idea how that worked but it worked I was blind but now I see will you allow God to do a miracle in your life that's outside the box that you have no reference point for 
I want to encourage you to come prepare. Will you bring your faith on the 11th of February? Come, let's have a great celebration. We're going to do a live count and announce our 10 a.m. service, what our 10 a.m. service pledge and our 12 p.m. service and our kids and youth. And we're going to all be in this together. And let's anticipate a year of miracles because who knows what God is going to do in us and through us and for us. Do you believe you are the very person that is the location for the display of the glory of God? You can count yourself. You may be a blind beggar by the street, but you're counted in. And if God has counted you in, nobody can count you out because you will see something that you've never seen before. I do believe that this is our time, this is our year, this is our season. So if the Holy Spirit speaks, please don't resist that voice. Step out and see. Parents, I want to encourage your children to start doing that with their pocket money. We've started that conversation, of course, with our kids. And we're believing for God to do something. I remember uh, just a while ago when, when Judah got some pocket money. Judah is nine. And I said, Judah, come on. My favorite times with Judah are um, when I talk to him at McDonald's. He loves McDonald's. So we go to McDonald's and all of our prayer time as dad and son is at McDonald's. And we do pray at home. But sometimes when I just need to capture his attention, we have a lot of chats with each other. And he said, Dad, I feel the Holy Spirit saying I need to give 16 pounds. He, need have, he didn't have 16 pounds in his piggy bank. And, um, and, um, and he said, Dad, let me break my piggy bank. He broke it. And there was like 8 pound 53 or something in there. He saved up all his pennies. And uh, he said, I feel the Holy Spirit saying I need to. What was the amount? I can't even remember. But it was, not, it was more than what was in the in the piggy bank I said I said I said, I said Judah that means you got to give everything dad will supply the rest and, and just just imagine what God might do uh, if, if if you know if if um if you step out and obey and so he stepped out is Victoria here Victoria is one of our, our, our members in our church and then he stepped out and obey and out of the blue Victoria came home with a card with 10 pound note in it. I said, this is for Judah. And I remember thinking, I am so glad I told him to step out and obey because he stepped out and obeyed. Now he's got his own story, not just my story. I'm going to believe that our children will have stories of the provision and the breakthrough that God is experiencing in them because we've got to train them young that they've got to break through from the power of the love of money so that they can encounter God for themselves. Will you believe with me that we can have testimonies that we've never had before. And I want to encourage you to go and consider it. Pray about it. Read the vision booklet. It's on the website. Or if you want printed copies, it's here. The 11th of February is going to be a great Sunday. And I'm prophesying that by this time next year, that everything that we have set out in this vision booklet, we would have accomplished. How? We don't know. We're going to just figure it out. But we do know this. Wherever God leads, God will provide. If you believe that the church's future is great because Jesus said he's going to build this church. Come on, give Jesus a praise right now we don't know how we're going to do it but we're going to figure it out and god will help us along the way i'd like to close with a blessing that's what we always do if parents you are here your children will be ready for collection on the door to my left and to your right and if you are first time visitor here we have our welcome lounge here ready to receive you there's coffee machines going we've got a gift for you to have as well but if you're able to lift your hands we're going to pronounce a blessing now may the lord bless you and may he keep you and may he make his face to shine upon you. May you be the location of the glory of God. May you be the display of God's glorious works. If there's been delays, get ready for a surprise. If there's been silence, get ready for a surprise. If there's been misunderstanding and confusion, get ready for a surprise. Because your life is about to be the display of the glory and the works of God. From this Sunday to next Sunday, may God surprise you with his works. And may 2024 be your year of vindication. If it's been a year where you've been misunderstood or there's been confusion around your name. May God step into your box, even though you've boxed him out. That he will break those boxes and step in and do a miracle anyway. And you'll be able to say, I was once blind, but now I can see. May that be your story all the days of your life. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Come on, give God glory in this place. Thank you so much for being here at our 12 p.m. service. And uh, those of you who booked in for lunch, we'll see you at 2 p.m. for our 2 p.m. welcome home service. Our first time guests, we look forward to welcoming you. God bless and have a fantastic week. Thank you.